um, over the last few weeks, we really identified relationships and that there is no such thing as perfect relationships. Um, it really kind of sets up the whole thing is, uh, you know, yeah, our marriage is good, but it's not. Okay, when I do that, you can respond. <laughs> our marriage is good, but it's not. Our family is great, but it's not. Why do we do that? Why do we always follow up a compliment about something with a negative statement? Isn't it amazing? I just don't see God doing that. And, and I think some of the perceptions that we have is we make negative some things, things that we don't need to make negative. Why do we constantly have this thing where we just feel like we got to qualify everything? When rather just say, yeah, we got great marriage. And, and you don't need to say it's not perfect because there's no such thing as perfect. And we, we talked about this before, and I'll say it for those who haven't heard this. If you could sit down and draw up the perfect marriage or perfect family or perfect friendships, you would sit there with a blinking cursor all day long for weeks because you would never be, as soon as you type something in, you'd have to reverse it. Say, well, you know, there's, because there's always something, there's just, it just is. There are people God has put in our life, and uh, our best friend and if you don't know this, your best friend should be the Holy Spirit. He should be. Next week, we're going to talk about our relationship with God, and it's going to be a, just talking about what that looks like. But the Holy Spirit should be our best friend, and he cares about more than the big things in your life. He also cares about being your helper in the little things. And I'll give you an example. I had a chance to play, because uh, you're going you're gonna to hear this, and you're going to think, this is... This is just so shallow, and you think whatever you want, okay? But the, I was on a golf course, and uh, there's this island green, and it's the only one that has an a island green where you got to take a boat out to it. And, and I got up to the tee box, and I so badly wanted to get a hole in one, but that's so rare, I didn't, my, my expectation, I just want to play it. And I said, Holy Spirit, help me hit a good shot. And I did. I didn't get a hole in one. I birdied the hole. But as, as I was driving back from the green, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I care about everything. He cares about everything in your life. And if you'd start to say, you know, this is something I'm going to do. I really need help in this. Holy Spirit, will you help me with it? You may be shocked to discover how many things you do better with his help when you actually help him. When you actually have a conversation with him and you realize this is a friend that's with me all the time and you include him in just your day-to-day -day life, how he can help you. So let's do our three theme verses because we're going to talk about friendships. There are no perfect friendships. And it's funny, it's more about really the functionality of the relationship. Relationships have a lot to do with functionality, how they function in our life. And Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing one another with one another in love. How many know you got to bear in relationships, right? There's a living thing in your relationship. It's a bear. <laughs> That's a dad joke, I know. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of what? Peace. Okay, Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but 
each of you to the interests of others. And then in 1 Peter, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. Now, we're talking about friendship. Say this with me. We need friends, okay? One, two, three. We need friends. You need friends. I've heard too many times Christians say, I don't need friends anyway. I don't need people anyway. I'm going to become, I'm going to grow my hair out long and go off the grid in Montana. And you will die young. It's true. They've done studies on this. People who struggle in relationships die younger than those who, who have mastered relationships. Those who struggle, those who want to get away from people, die younger than those who actually develop relationships and learn how to have relationships others. You need relationships. Do you know that loneliness has really become an epidemic in our country? 50% of Americans, when asked, whether they feel they're lonely or have adequate relationships, 50% of Americans have said they struggle with loneliness, bouts of loneliness and struggle. So 50% of people in this room, if that average is true, and, and I'm not expecting that it is because you're all in the kingdom of God and you understand friendship, and you're all great at making friends, but you might want to take notes for your neighbor so you can give them these notes. So I encourage you to do that. Take notes for this because you, you might be able to help this. Look, look, poll after poll is showing that over 50% of Americans are feeling lonely. According to research, the average person has three to five very close friends, 10 to 15 people in their circle, and 100 to 150 acquaintances in their social network. This was a study that was done uh, by a, a university, I believe, in Maryland, and what's interesting about that and why I put it in bold so you can see it on the screen, that described Jesus. You know, Jesus had three very close friends. He had 12 uh, 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 close friends. Or he had three core close friends. He had 12 close friends. And then about 150 that he actually influenced. In fact, he said the most that would have ever followed Jesus when he was on the planet is 500. There are more people that meet at Bethel's Rock on a given Sunday than Jesus would have influenced on a regular basis. Pretty incredible. So Jesus understood the balance in relationship. He didn't try to become all things to all people. He understood that there are boundaries even in the, the amount of close friends you can have. If you're going to have close friends, you're not going to have 100 close friends. There is a limit to it, but we need close friends. It's a common misconception that you need to have a ton of friends to be happy, but studies have revealed that it isn't the number of friends, but the quality of the friends that you do have that leads to true happiness. What are the quality of the friends? Uh, just a few celebrities, Oprah Winfrey, openly shares that she has only three close friends in her life. Uh, Celine Gomez, Selena Gomez, says she only had three good friends and she feels she can tell everyone too. And Matthew McConaughey says he's only had a few friends 
in his entire time as an actor that, he's, that he actually trusts and would consider someone he could spend time with in a deeper level. Nearly half of Americans, the American population reports an average of three close friends. Now, if you're like me, you're doing something that I would be doing. I'm thinking about who are those three close friends in my life? And all the people smiling at me right now know exactly what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I was just thinking that. That's why you should be taking notes because you should write down who you think those close friends are. In fact, if you're here right now to keep you from falling asleep, why don't you do that? Just write down who you think your close friends are. And by the way, they should not be family. And you're like, why not? That's the problem. Now, I don't want to get any emails, so don't send me emails. But I'm going to put something out there, and I want you to think about it. Because there's a danger in this. There's, there's an understanding. I understand it, but there's also a danger in it. Like everything, there's, you can't go to an extreme either way, right? There's this saying, well, all we need is family, and we choose family over everyone else. Really? You know what happens when all your close friends are family? You become inbred. You need friends that help you see things differently that are godly people. You need other people around you. And you put pressure on your kids to be something they weren't intended to be in your life. You want them to be your best friend. You're their parent, not their best friend. When you say, I'm gonna, my kids are my best friend. No, that you need to be their parent. They don't need any more friends. They need great parents. And we put pressures where the kids reject that. because Now, why would I say that literally, it, so there are situations, and this isn't some made-up story that would never happen. There are situations where people, we choose family first, okay? So if your family gets in a dispute with someone else and gets offended and hated with someone else who's your close friend, and you have no problem with them, and in fact, you think in some ways your family's at fault, you're saying that I need to pick up your offense and make it my offense in order to choose family over somebody who is my friend? Are you seeing this? There are times where you don't pick up the sins of your family because they're family. There are times you say, you know what? I love you. I think you need to deal with that offense. But I'm not going to destroy a relationship I have or give up a relationship I have because you can't get along with them. Family is important. Don't get me wrong. We've talked about family. God gives us our family, right? But you need friends. Because when your kids leave and they move, otherwise they can't ever move away. They can't ever do what God's telling them to do. Bianca could never go to California because I got to have them here. They're my friends. I got to have them close. You got to let God do with them whatever God's got planned for their life and you can't hoard something that isn't yours. Remember, God gave you those kids. So you, you love them, you care for them, you treat them as, you teach them how to, get, how to have friends. It's, it's crazy. Mom and dad, a lot of our kids that are struggling with loneliness is because we never either learned to make friends or we haven't taught them to make friends. 
We have to teach them how to be, make friends with other people, how to be socially adept, because God wants us to have friends. In fact, there are countless number of, of scriptures and friendship, and we're going to talk about near, uh, about a third of people report to having four to nine close friends, which is good. The other proportion includes uh, 10 or more close friends, uh, which is 13% of the population says they have 10 or more, and 12% of the population says they have no close friends. They think just having, in fact, my wife made this statement. She said when she had little kids, she started to think, I don't really need a lot of close friends because I have my girls. And now she looks at it and realizes the girls leave, and you better have friends. And those relationships, when you have little kids, you need other friends that are either going through it and so you can go through it together and keep each other sane. How many older moms in here know what I'm talking about? Like you raise those kids, I need sanity. I need an adult conversation because I feel like I'm becoming a cartoon when I'm talking to these kids, right? There is a, an Oxford anthropologist, Robin Dunbar, who calculated that you could only maintain social network of 150 to 200 people, most of which are casual acquaintances. Most people, she said, have a smaller group of 15 friends that they can confide in. Dunbar estimates that we only realistically keep an inner core circle of five or fewer friends or family. So if you have about five or fewer friends right in there, core, close, you can tell everything to, you're okay. You're not like a loser because you don't have, I don't have 30 great close friends. You're, no, that's about what you can handle is five or fewer, three to five close, close friends. Jesus had three close friends that would be estimating the disciples. Then, then about 12 that you hang out with, okay? And, and I'm going to maybe share this again. There's the, one of the great lies is that Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus did not hang out with sinners, Never. I can't believe people make this statement. Jesus went to sinners, and he shared the good news with sinners. But nowhere do we see him hanging out with sinners. He hung out with his disciples. He hung out with people who became believers. He invested himself in that, and then he preached to the unbeliever. And then he influenced about 100 people. He had acquaintances of about 150 people. Now, it's interesting. We need lasting friendships. Uh, a few months ago, I did a funeral uh, for a man named Jay Carlson, and he, he was part of Bethel's Rock, um, um, uh, and, and he died, and the funeral was, he was well-liked, and people loved him, and older man, and, but it was such a large audience um, that we had to do it at Cedar Valley, and so we used their their room for it, and I'm walking around, and, and I'm talking to people, and I meet this guy. I said, what's your acquaintance? He says, we've been friends for 70 years, over 70 years. Now, think about that. How many friends do you interact with from your childhood when you were in elementary? I was so amazed by that. I just started asking him all kinds of questions to find out how in the world did that friendship last that long? Because, I mean, I have had friends and seasons of life, but then the next season comes, and either I'm in a different place. These guys had stayed connected for over 70 friends, and he kind of just shared some things, some of which I'm going to share with you. But it takes an investment 
you know, to invest in people who are not your blood, but you've chosen to be friends with them, a connection that happens in those friendships. And we see that with David and Jonathan in the Bible. Look at 1 Samuel 20, 24. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is a witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. What he was saying is we're going to be friends and we're gonna, that friendship's gonna even be honored in your children. Because of, your, because of Jonathan, David actually honored that friendship with Jonathan by loving his kids and his offspring. He, his friendship, and I think this is what's happened. We become such consumers of friendship and so narcissistic in the relationship that when the relationship stops becoming beneficial to me, I throw it out like everything else, like they're an iPhone. And look at my new iPhone. It's a friend. I, well, weren't you friends? Well, you know, some toxic things happened, so I got rid of them. We don't covenant with friends anymore. We use people for what we need them for. And when they do something that offends us or hurts us, we throw it out rather than have a conversation and work it out. We throw it out. Because we think we'll just get another friend. Here are the benefits of friendship. I'm gonna, I will get back to that, but I'm going to take a break. I, I, I kind of stuck it there, and now I'm going to reverse. Beep. Back up. I'm going to give you some of the benefits of why we need good friends. Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. We need friendships. We need them in our life. We need, there are over, there are hundreds of scriptures on friends, friendliness, and loneliness. Proverbs 14.20 says, The poor are shunned even by their neighbor. But look at this. But the rich, what do the rich have? Friends. Many friends. The benefits is that we have fun together. If you're someone who says, well, I just struggle with friendships. I just, uh, maybe you don't ever have fun. You're too serious. You're constantly wanting deep. It's good to have fun with your friends. How many like to have fun in friendships, right? You, want to, you don't need to sit down at coffee and have a three-hour conversation on the, 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 the relationship you have with each other. You know, that, that, that maybe isn't going to get you a lot of friends, right? They're meant to grow. There should be growth, like spiritual growth. There should be, like, conversations. You should be able to disagree with each other and still appreciate each other after you're done. Is it possible that you could still be friends with someone of the opposite political party as you? And actually have conversations back and forth? Is it possible that you could talk about the view? You see, we, you know what we saw, though, through the whole COVID thing? We saw literally friendships divided over masks and vaccines. So you disagree. Is that as strong as your relationship is? It's okay to disagree on how you view things and to have conversations because that's how we grow. You, you trust each other. You, you think about what each other is. That's where that growth comes from. And I think we need to have a conversation just with each other as friends and still love each other after that. There should be support. And, and by the way, when you have friends, good friends, you live longer. 
you live longer. And so you're actually helping each other live longer when you become friends, close friends with each other. You know, the enemy really wants to separate you out by yourself anyway, like the lion does to a deer in a pack. He wants to get you alone so that he can attack you. So some of the boundaries of friendship. If you tell me uh, who your friends are, I will tell you what you will become. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says this. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. What your friends that you hang out with will determine your future. So um, we'll talk about the types of friends. There's a lot of information I'm going to give you, so you really should take notes. But my wife, uh, who I think is an incredible pastor's wife, and she, she has done an incredible job in this role, not just supporting me, but it's a whole role in and of itself. And um, when we first got married, she, you know, she had not been raised in ministry. I had been raised in a home with pastor and, uh, and ministry. And she started spending time with a pastor's wife on our staff that was just critical and like she just drank vinegar every morning and uh, just hated church people and, uh, and started spewing that on my wife. And whenever I would be gone, they would stay together because she had kids and, and she, was, she was fun, but she was negative. And I'd come back and my wife would just hate church people. And after a while, I mean, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box, but after a while, I'm like, you aren't, you aren't spending any more time with her. And now there's some people in here, oh, you're such a controlling husband. No, I'm doing my role as a protector of my wife. I said, you're not spending any more time with her because whenever you're around her, you're a different person when I come back. You know what? She loves church people. The other person's no longer in ministry. Because when you're around people, who are you around? What, how do they influence your emotions and your decisions? You have to, one, define, we really need to define the relationship of the people that we're friends with. First of all, there are some, there's a kind of a flow chart here, and I don't know if you'll see it, but the assignments, there are, there are people we're in relationship with, and there are assignments. There are people who are your disciples. You're discipling them. You're investing in them. You're, you're helping them grow and develop. And I think really everyone in here, if, you, if you've been saved any length of time, you should have disciples. In fact, if you can't tell me who those disciples are, and some are saying, my kids, other than your children, who are, you showing, who are you showing how to get through the cycle you just went through of life? How are you helping walk through those things? The Bible says, go ye therefore and make what? That's what it said. It says everybody who's a believer will get to heaven and you will answer for whether or not you had disciples or not. Everybody will be held account for that. Did you make disciples? That, because it was a command that the Lord gave us. And number two is associates and friends who our peers are. These are iron sharpens iron. These are people going through where we're at. They're our peers. They're the people we have those relationships with. And then there are advisors. And, and these are people in our life that know they have the ability to speak into our life. 
Because a lot of times we have people in our life we say have the ability to speak into our life, but they don't know it. And that that's become the thing. Like, like we, how many love independence? We love independence. We celebrate. It's my favorite holiday of the year is Independence Day. Fourth July. I love it. But do you know there's a spirit of, of uh, that, that, um, rebellion? that really doesn't want anyone telling me what to do. And so I avoid getting anybody permission to speak into my life because I don't want anyone speaking into my life. Can you imagine what would have happened to King David if Nathan hadn't been allowed to be that person in David's life? We need people in our life that we listen to. We need people in our life that God has put there. And, and how many believe God gives us everything we need. Do you believe that? Do you believe God gives you everything you need? Yeah, I hope you do because the Bible says he does, right? So in your life currently, if that's a true statement and you're a believer and you said you were, he's already put people in your life right now that should be advisors to you. He's put people in your life that should be your friends. And he's put people in your life that aren't being discipled because you're not being obedient. We're not supposed to say stuff like that in church because then you'll never come back. But isn't it true? Isn't it true? Okay, so if we're going to have healthy boundaries, there are two types of friends, really three, but two, I'm going to put them in two categories. First is casual friendships, and you'll see this up here, are usually the result of your circumstance. So if you're, you work with these people, um, maybe you go to school with these people or your kids, uh, they're the parents of the kids that play in sports with these, the people, neighbors that you have. Casual friends are people that are friends because of the circumstances you're in and they become friends. These are not people that, that invest or influence your life a lot, but they're people like we were at the fair uh, last week and we saw one of the girls that played soccer with our girls and her parents were there and, and, uh, and so you have a relationship, you're nice, you, you talk, you go over life, but there's no influence there. It's just a, it's a casual friendship. Then there are close friends and then even deeper still core friends, but close friends should not be a result of circumstances, but the result of a choice. You need to choose your friends. This is what we teach our kids when they're in school. Listen, honey, you just don't let circumstances determine your friends. You have to choose your friends when you go to school. Look at what Proverbs says. I think you'll think this is interesting. You may never have seen this. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends, what? Carefully. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. They, they choose their friends carefully. So we take time to choose them. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, There are friends who destroy each other. They, they egg each other on. There are friends that get together and they're a bad influence and they egg them on to do some things they wouldn't do and, but because I got a friend, I'm going to do it now. How many know, yeah, I was never going on a missions trip, but because my friends go on a missions trip, they got me to go on a missions trip, right? That can, in reverse action, can happen in negative things. When you have friends that get you to do things you would never do, but because your friend's doing it, you don't want to be the stick in the mud and you just do it with them. That's why you need to choose your friends 
carefully. So people who do not make good friends based on what the Bible says. Okay, I'm going to give you six people who do not make good friends based on what the Bible said. And, and what's interesting is I was just going to give you the chapter and verse. I was going to tell you the verse. And, and when I was writing this, and the Holy Spirit very clearly and loudly said to me, are they coming for your commentary or for my word? So I put all the verses in there. So, I mean, I even put some extra ones in there for you. Uh, so, so you get the word, right? Because that's what you're here for. How many are ready for it? Here's, here's number one. People who like to argue. These are people you don't make as friends. People who like to argue. Have you noticed that pe- some people love conflict? They come alive in the middle of a fight. You notice that? Proverbs 23 says, any fool can start arguments. The honorable thing is to stay out of them. It means if there are people who like to argue, they should not be your close friend. If you're someone who loves to argue, I'm telling people they should not make you their close friend. If you want to be an arguer, if you want to argue and always be the devil's advocate, then find another one and argue yourself right into hating each other. Right? Number two, people who gossip. Gossip is sharing information when you neither are part of the problem nor part of the solution. God hates gossiping. Proverbs 20, 19 says, stay away from gossips. They can't keep a secret and they tell everything. These are people, God says, they shouldn't be your close friends. Can you be an acquaintance? Sure. Should you be friendly and caring and loving to people like that? Absolutely. You shouldn't treat them poorly. You shouldn't disrespect them, dishonor them. They can be in the, that casual category, but they're not close friends. They're not people you share everything with. Number three, and this really is one that bothers me. I hate flattery. People who flatter others, schmoozers. I don't like schmoozers. Uh, it's just one of those things. Anyone like schmoozers in here? Like, there's this guy that we go to this uh, meeting every other year, and we show up, and he walk in, and he'd pat you on the back and tell you a bunch of stuff. I don't know what he was like. Do you even know me? And he's saying all this stuff, and the whole time looking at my sh- over my shoulder to see who's next most important. I'm like, dude, I really don't need to talk to you. Like, this isn't some honor, <laughs> right? Proverbs 29, 5 says, Flattery is a trap. Evil people get caught in it, but good people avoid it and are free. Look at, look at this. This is crazy about flattery. Look at this. They are friendly to your face, but they curse me in their heart, and they delight in telling lies about me. When someone is flattering you, they're lying to you, and they actually despise you is what the Bible says. They don't love you. They're saying all those things actually not because they care about you. They actually hate you. You don't want them to be a close friend. Would you agree? Well, number four, people who can't control their temper, and I just read that in Proverbs 22, they can't control their temper. Um, maybe they shouldn't be your friend, Right? Number five, people who steal or shoplift. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. 
You know, when there are people who aren't people of character and they're stealing and at the workplace or your business or whatever, they shouldn't be close friends. And in number six, believers who sin sexually, believers who sin sexually. And it says believers because 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11 says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, the greedy, the swindlers, the idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, a believer, but is sexually immoral, greedy, or adulterer, slanderer, drunkard, swindler. Don't even eat with such people. Oh, but Jesus hung out with sinners. We have a contradiction if that's true. Now, these are people we want to make incredible friends. We want to make as incredible friends. Number one, choose friends who encourage you spiritually. Choose people who encourage you spiritually. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage one another and build each other up. The encouragement is deeper than just compliments. An encourager is someone who, like, builds into you things that are true about you, that can see who you are, and they speak truth about you, and they, and they help you to see things from God's point of view and not the world's point of view. Number two, choose friends that consistently support you emotionally. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. These are friends that are running in when everyone is running out. There is a difference between someone who says, I am here with you and I am here for you. When you say, I am here with you, I put the onus on me to be your friend. When I say, I am here for you, I put it on you. When I say, I'm here for you, just let me know what you need. It's now on you. A real close friend says, I'm not even going to ask you. I know what you need. I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, you can be mad about it. But I'm doing it because I care about you. I'm just doing it. You may not like it at the time, but you will later. Because I'm jumping in. I'm not going to put it on you. I'm, I'm taking responsibility to do it. Number three, choose friends who challenge me to think. You need people that challenge the way you think. How many know we can get a little rutted in our thinking? And have you ever been wrong? No, I've never been wrong. Okay. You might need some friends. <laughs> I know a few. <laughs> right? Look at Choose friends that challenge me to think. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We all need, if what you believe is true, then it will hold up when you have a discussion about different ways of thinking. The type of boundaries we establish is we need physical boundaries and communication boundaries. Physical with friends, where we, how we physically interact with them. It's crazy how people think in a friendship, especially with guys and girls. Like, if you're going to have a close friendship, it needs to turn sexual. That's what's happened. Is, is in order to be close, like, we got to, it's immediately to kind of, we just feel like, like David and Jonathan, a number of people said they were homo, have said now that they're homosexuals. 
That was their bond. Because sex had to be part of a bond like that. You couldn't have that bond without it. It is incredibly ignorant how sexualized as a culture we've become to think that you can't have a friendship that doesn't include that. And the reality is you can have close friendships and that's not part of it. And inappropriate conversation. The more you watch, and this is why what we watch, some of the things we see in culture, opens up doors to conversations about things that should never be had among friends. It's meant for a marriage relationship or family context, but never for a friend context. And yet it's become just comfortable conversation. You say, well, tell me what it is. I'm going to give you a hint of how you know when it's inappropriate. There's this still small voice called the Holy Spirit. And he says this, hello, I'm the whisper. I was really uncomfortable with that. And if he's uncomfortable, you should be uncomfortable. Right? And he is the voice that will let you know that was not appropriate. That was not appropriate. So here's a statement if you've not heard anything else. My best friend should bring out the best in me. My best friend should. Now, I'm going to give you these very quickly because to have great friends, you must be a great friend. And you can't mistake kindness for friendliness. Right? You can be kind and not be friendly. Because kindness, friendliness is kindness with feet. Friendliness, there's a lot of kind people. You're just not friendly. You say, I am too. I'm very nice. But you're not friendly. But I'm nice. I just don't. But you're not friendly. There's a difference. Friendly is being nice in action. Nice is just whenever someone interacts with you, you're nice. You're kind. You're, you're nice. But you don't actually go and extend it. You don't step with it. It doesn't have feet. It's a verb. So friendly means when I see people that are around that don't have anyone sitting, a friendly person goes to that person and is nice to the person, goes and brings their nice and kindness to them. A friendly person connects to people. I'm very, you know, it's funny. My wife and I were talking about how people, nobody thinks they have a problem with friends, but they always complain how they have no friends. Like, I don't have a problem making friends, Pastor. I didn't need to take notes on this because I, I know how to make friends. And then two weeks later, I don't have any friends. I'm not connecting to anyone. Just accept that maybe there's a problem making friends. That it takes, like nobody has close relationships with people in the first conversation. It takes an investment of being friendly and connecting and talking and doing those things. And eventually it's a close relationship. It takes time. Right? So here's the first one. And because we're B-Rock, Bethel's Rock, I'm going to start with B's. Building, B, building, builds our fourth theme too, right? Believe, belong, become, build. Building relationships, number one, be cheerful. Greet people with a smile. Like smile, smile, and then turn to the person next to you and let them look at your smile and tell them if you're smiling. Turn to the person next to you. 
okay? The smile tears down things when you smile, right? Proverbs 15.30 says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Do you know that it takes seven muscles to smile and 40 muscles to, uh, to frown? If you're a lazy person, you should be smiling more. You really should. And if you're caught frowning, just say, I'm burning calories right now. I'm just, I'm on a diet. I'm more exercising. I'm exercising right now. I'm just, I can feel the weight coming off. But that, that just so you know, the side effect of that is you lose friends. <laughs> right? Smiling will gain you friends. Number two, be comfortable. Relax and be yourself. But Matthew twenty two thirty nine 39 says, the second greatest command is this, love your neighbor as you, right? You got to love yourself. And what happened, many of you, when you're kids, not many, but some of you, when you're kids, you were picked on or people laughed at you or they made, and you thought you had to be something else in order to have friends. And so you've avoided, it's such a difficult thing. Just be you. Because if it's true that God has put friends in your life because he knows you need them, those friends want to be friends with who you are, not what you think they want you to be. Just be you, as quirky and as strange and as cool and as hip. Whatever it is, God created you. Just know that all the cool people down here will be the last in heaven. Ouch. I don't have any biblical references for that. that. That, that, that was just me, just so you know. <laughs> Here's number three. Be conversational. Be conversational. Nobody makes friends with me. I don't know why I'm making any friends. Well, talk. Be conversational. Well, I don't know how. Well, ask questions. Like, where do you come from? What's your name? That's a good one to start with. Where do you live? You know, ask questions. Actually, ask them about them. Be interested in them. What, this is something I think in Philippians. This is don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others and what they're doing. Here's the secret to making friends. Be interested, not interesting. Be interested, not interesting. Like, you don't have to be cool. You just got to be interested in them. People love people who are interested in them. And they ask them questions. Well, what about me? When will they be interested in me? Who knows? But be interested in them. Number four, be considerate. Listen well. And empathize. I said it fine in the first service. I can say the word. <laughs> James 1.19, let everyone be quick to listen and slow to speak. We don't like to listen. We love to just talk. We hate quiet silence. Just, just empathize with them. See, I told you I could say it. There's a thing, you know, we use a lot when someone dies. We always think we need to say something. You don't. Sometimes you need to just be there. It's called sitting Shiva. When someone were to die and they're grieving... If you just go and you just sit there. You let them cry. You let it just quiet. But they have someone with them. That's just sitting Shiva. And you go, how boring. That's friendship. And you need those friendship when you're the one going through it. You reap. You reap. That's right. 
Number five, be consistent. Stick with them in the tough times. Be there when they need you. When you're running, everyone's running out, you run in. Proverbs 18, 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to him, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's Proverbs. That's before Jesus. Number six, be confidential. Don't gossip about them. And I've already told that, Proverbs eleven thirteen. a true friend will keep a secret. Number seven, be candid. Always tell the truth. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk when you tell them the truth, but always be someone who's truthful with them that doesn't make up things, but, but is there to help them walk through things. Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is a sign of a true friendship. Number eight, be Christ-like. Love them unconditionally, not this consumer mentality. Romans 15, 7 says, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. You know, one of the greatest things we do to encourage friendships at Bethel's Rock is small groups. We're doing more than a book, and we do small groups. Listen, everyone should be in a small group. Everyone should be in a small group. If you're not leading one, and you haven't felt God like stirring your heart to lead a group, you should be a part of one. And why? Because you need people. Don't complain about not having godly friends if you never attend a small group. Because we grow in circles more than we grow in rows. And it's so important that you're part of it because you get to know people at a level where you're growing together. They're your peers. And there is a lot of community. There's a video I want to show you right now. No one told you life was gonna be this way. Your job's a joke, you broke. Your love lives the old way. It's like you're always stuck in second gear. When it hasn't been your day, having relationship. It's fun. It's, it's what God wants. He wants us all to get along and to have fun. And Satan is trying to create division. He's trying to get us to get angry with people and throw them out. And God wants us to come together and work toward it. How many know it takes work to have great friendships, right? But some of you are struggling with friends because they've done something and you're getting ready to throw them out. And I'm here to tell you God's saying no. You're not supposed to throw them out. You're supposed to work on it. Will you stand? I'm going to have Pastor Zach come up here. I want to end with this question. I'm going to put it on the screen. I want to end with this question. Because I think what we do is we look at, um, is it on there? Is there a slide? There it is. We look at a lot about what other people are doing. But the question we need to ask yourself is, what kind of friend am I? Why would God give me to someone else to be their friend? So I could, that, that was an incredible friend, and I'm a horrible friend. Right? First of all, God created you to be an amazing friend. And the enemy has often distorted how we see that. But part of our ministry is the 
ministry of friendship. We have the ministry of friendship to be friends with people. And so before you leave today, one of the things we want you to do is to get to know someone that's here this morning and to let them know who you are and just listen. You know, obviously, you can't both just ask questions. So you, it's back and forth, right? And you're going to try to exercise number eight. How's your day? No, don't answer. Don't ask me any. I'm asking you the questions. This, I mean, you got to go interact and have a conversation, right? But God wants us to have incredible friendships. And there are three or four or five that are going to be your closest friends. I believe that. You believe that? And God's going to reveal it to you.